Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I'm still on my assignment. In October of last year, the Lord spoke something specific, specifically to me before a morning service. And what he spoke to me has been my assignment over the last few months, ever since that morning. He said to me that we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. Another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. And the more we have delved into that understanding that this walk of faith is walking in the spirit and there are many components involved in being skillful in that walk it's not just a a positive confession it's walking in love it's developing humility Amen. It's not just saying certain scriptures every morning and making a confession list. There's more to it than that. There is that that growing in the fruit of the Spirit. So he gave us five specific things in that understanding of how to develop skill in walking in the Spirit. He said, first of all, know the leading of the Holy Spirit with a certainty. We don't want to have to take days to determine was that the spirit of the lord trying to direct me he wants us to be so so aware so able to identify his promptings so aware of his voice that when he speaks to us we promptly obey we quickly respond amen he said to us that the Uh, that we are to practice obedience. Obedience is the highest form of faith. The highest form of faith is obedience. If If we believe him, we'll obey him. We'll act on his word, right? So he said practice obedience. He said the develop humility and the love walk. And we studied on on the Bible portrait of a humble man as we looked at the life of Jesus and what he taught about humility, what he said himself that showed his humility, how his salvation, our redemption is rooted in humility. He said that we need to develop it in our own lives. And we also saw how connected that humility was with the love walk. We, he also said the fruit of the Spirit is vital. Hallelujah. Vital signs indicate how, how well we're living, the condition of our life. If we check our vital signs, it tells us how healthy we are, right? He said the fruit of the Spirit is vital. So the real health of the Spirit, the real health of your spiritual walk is that love, joy, peace, that long-suffering, that meekness, that temperance. Amen. The fruit of the spirit developed. It's not something that fruit has to be matured on the vine. You don't want to eat 
green apples unless they're supposed to be green. You don't want to eat red apples that are still green. I remember when I was a little girl, my grandmother had an apple tree right outside the house and she had a grapevine over by the carport. And so I was always trying to eat the apples before they were ready. And she would warn me, Michelle, those will make your stomach. They're too sour. They'll hurt your stomach. And they didn't taste good. I would pluck them right off the tree and try to take a bite of it because I was expecting that it was going to taste juicy and sweet, but it wasn't. It wasn't because it needed to stay on the tree longer. Those grapes, boy, when you let those grapes stay there until they were ready, they were the best grapes I've ever had. But if you tried to pull them and eat them, I mean, it will set your teeth on edge. It just like, it just makes your whole mouth hurt. I mean, you, you, your teeth will complain if you'll bite into that grape. Well, you don't want people eating in your life <laughs> of your fruit that's not ripe. Amen? We want to get the cultivation of our spiritual fruit so that we are people who have that spiritual maturity. And then he said, the trust in God, his word and his ways, this trust they are safeguards. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about the safeguards of trust. And I, I pulled a, a, a new song on our praise team this morning, and they did a great job. But that song, we, we were singing about our trust this morning. When I rose this morning, this morning when I rose, I didn't have no doubt that the Lord would take care of me. The Lord would provide for me. He would lead and guide me all the way. We've got to develop that trust because there's a lot of people who love God and they've been saved. They've accepted Jesus as their Lord, but they've never developed that trust. And they're trying to live their Christian life with all the uncertainties, with all of the doubts, with all of the wonderings. God, what are we going to do? How am I going to make it? And they're in that, that conundrum of Matthew chapter 6. What shall we eat? What shall we wear? What, how are we going to pay these bills? What are we going to do? When the key is learning the faithfulness of God. Sister Jeannie wrote the book, Learning to Trust God's Faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't just happen. It's not automatic because we own a Bible. It's not automatic because we come to a faith-building church. We have to choose to get up every day and look to the Lord and remind ourselves He is faithful who promised. You know, Sarah, she laughed the first time she heard the promise of God about Isaac. And God called her on it. Why are you laughing? She said, what? He, I, you laughed. You laugh, but it says that Sarah herself received strength. Why? Because she considered him faithful. What, what moved her from that place of, of laughing at the absurdity of the promise over to the place that she received that promise, and it changed, supernaturally changed her physical body. What, what moved her to that place was she kept considering him faithful. Trusting. When you consider someone faithful, you're trusting in them. 
And so this trusting in the Lord is something that we need. It's a safeguard for us. And if we don't invest the time and the spiritual attention to develop that trust, then we're at the disadvantage of things in our life. We're at the disadvantage of all those questions. Those questions breed unbelief. And unbelief stops the entrance into the promised land. It says in Hebrews 4, they did not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. And so when we take the investment at the onset of learning to trust in the Lord and choosing to trust in the Lord and committing to trust in the Lord, then we are at an advantage in that situation. We're, we're, we're setting ourselves up with a safeguard no matter what happens because th there are situations and circumstances that happen because of other people's decisions, but I'm still going to trust in the Lord. Other people may do things that, that hinder uh, some of the things God's trying to bring into your life, but I'm still going to trust in the Lord. And as long as I stay in that trusting position, he can continually get it to me. Even though the enemy brings up roadblocks, even though the enemy causes uh, uh, disruptions, if I stay trusting in the Lord, I'm always in a position where he can work it out for me. So let's develop this trust. How about that? Can, can you give me a few moments this morning to, to let's, uh, let the scripture strengthen us in our trust in God? We're going to start in Psalm 34. Psalm 34, and don't let my voice fool you. <laughs> I got plenty to say. Psalm 34, verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none, none, none of those who trust in him shall be desolate. The word desolate means destroyed. None of those who trust in him will be destroyed. If you think about a desolate wasteland, those words go together, don't they? If you were to describe a wasteland, desolate would be a way to describe it. That will never be the description of the life of the person who trusts in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord, none of them. None of them will be destroyed. Hallelujah. I want that in my life. I want that supernatural keeping power. I want Psalm 91 to be my testimony. You know, the only way for that Psalm 91 to be the testimony with long life, God will satisfy you, is that he's got to be able to keep you all your days. He's got to be able to keep you through, through the, the, all of those different destructions and things that, that we see coming in Psalm 91. So how is he going to keep us? We're trusting in him. Those that trust in him, none of them shall be desolate. Psalm 37 Says, commit, says in verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. 
so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord and do good, and you'll dwell in the land. That's talking about the promised land. You'll dwell in the land. You'll enter into all the promises, and you'll have provision. You shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring your way, your path to pass. Because it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. You're not on your own to make it come to pass. You're not on your own to try to, to work it all out if you'll trust in him. So there's not one day, you know, a lot of people get this idea about faith. They'll, they'll hear the boldness of faith and they'll hear that confidence in faith and they suddenly move into this false idea that they are independent. I'm independent of circumstances, but I am word dependent. I am God dependent. Amen? I'm not dependent on natural supply, but I am always God dependent. I, there's not one day I want to face without him. I need him. I depend on him. I trust in him. And if, I, if, if he's my trust, if he's the one that I'm looking to as my source, my supply, my help, my wisdom, my strength, if he's the one, then I'll never be at a loss. <clears throat> so it says, trust in the Lord. And then it says in verse five, commit your way, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. So our trusting in God puts him in a position where he can work for us at all times. Jeremiah 17, we're laying our foundation here. Jeremiah 17. Going the wrong way. I want to start in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. Notice this description. The person who puts their trust in man. What does that mean, to put your trust in man? Well, to put your trust in what somebody else can do for you. To put your trust in the world system, man-made ideas, man-made theology, man-made made reasonings, you could say. To even trust in yourself. I'll just do it. I'll make it happen. What was that man who said, I will build bigger barns. I will tear these barns down. I'll build bigger barns. It says he was not rich toward God. Amen. He was trusting in himself. Not realizing everything that he had came because he had been acting on a principle of God. So this trusting in man, it could include trusting in other people putting your trust in man-made systems or trusting in yourself. And it says that that person is not walking in the blessing. Now, this isn't God punishing someone for trusting in man. He's just saying that's all there is. As a result of trusting in man, 
it, it, there's no blessing in it. He will be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. Can we say desolate? In a salt land and not inhabited. But verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. That person is connected to the blessing. The, the empowerment to prosper comes because I'm trusting in the Lord. He will be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. Do you see the opposite? It said the other person said that it says the other person will not see when good comes. But those of us who are trusting in the Lord, we won't even see when the heat comes. We're like, what heat? Heat. Who's dry? I'm not dry. Dry. Who's hopeless? I'm not hopeless. Worried? I'm not worried. Who's in fear? I'm not in fear. Why? Those of us who are trusting in the Lord, we won't even see that. We won't even experience that. Why? Because we're rooted in Him. We're supplied by Him. We're not looking to the rain that's falling in the world system. We're looking to the rain that's coming from the kingdom. We're not looking for a supply that's coming from the world system. We're looking from a supply that's coming from the kingdom. Hallelujah. We won't see when heat comes. We won't, we won't experience the same desolation. Hallelujah. We won't experience the same struggles and hardships. Why? Because the greater one is supplying for us. The greater one is the lifter of our head. His wisdom is the supply of our days. Hallelujah. We shall not see when heat comes. Our leaf shall be green. And we will not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall we cease from, year, from uh, yielding fruit. We won't be careful or worried. The message says, never a worry through the hottest of summers. Never a worry through the hottest of summers. Not worried about it. Why? Because I know the Lord. He'll take care of me. I know Jesus will provide for me. I know he will lead and guide me all the way. So I never worry, never worry in the hottest of summers. Hallelujah. It's a safeguard. It's a safeguard for us to trust in the Lord. It's a safeguard for us to trust in the Lord. And it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. It's a choice that we make. It's a commitment that we make. And there's some times that you're going to grit your teeth. You're going to stand your ground and say, no, I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will not give in 
to what this situation looks like. I'll not give in to the pressure that the enemy's putting against my mind. I'll not succumb to, to all of the thoughts that are trying to bombard my mind of what this is going to do to my life. I'm telling you what's going to happen in my life. I will flourish. I am like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. I will not see when he comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will trust in the Lord. Why? Because he's faithful. He is faithful who promised. He's faithful who promised. See, the enemy can't defeat you. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You are, God always causes you to triumph. The enemy can't defeat you. He's got to try to make you quit. As long as you'll stand in victory, he can't take you out. He can't take you down. It's when we give up. It's when we throw in the towel. It's when we surrender to the feeling and we surrender to the pressure and we surrender to what it looks like that we, we, we yield our position of victory. But if we'll trust in the Lord, we will never even feel like reaching for the towel to throw it in the ring. We'll never even look for the white flag to raise, right? Why would I raise the white flag when I'm trusting in him? Amen? So this commitment is something worthwhile for us to develop. You know how to develop it. You take the word, you put it in your heart, and you bring it out of your mouth. You take the word about trust, you put it in your heart, you bring it out of your mouth. And the more you do that, the power to trust God is established in you. We can't do it with just, with just feelings or, or, or a want to. It, the word is the supernatural source of our trust because the word reveals God to us. It, the more we know him from his word, the easier it is to trust him because we know God cannot lie. Remember, we went through some reasons we trust God. Why do we trust God? Number one, God cannot lie. It doesn't even say he won't lie. He can't. If it comes out of his mouth, it's truth. It is established truth. God can't lie. It's not in his ability. He is so in his essence, truth. Can you trust somebody who cannot lie? Can you take him at his word when you know it's impossible for God to lie? Hallelujah. We found out one of the other reasons, God is faithful. And that means he won't, he won't change. He won't back off to make it easier on himself. He's faithful who promised. Can we trust somebody who's faithful? It says that he can't change his nature. Even if we're not faithful, he is faithful. Can we trust someone who is faithful in their core? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says God is full of mercy. He described himself when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see glory. And you want to see my glory? You want me to show you my glory? I'm going to show you my glory. Are you ready to see my glory? Look at my goodness. I'm full of mercy. I'm so good. I'm full of mercy. I am, I am Jehovah the merciful with loving kindness. And can you trust someone who is mercy at their core? 
Hallelujah. Who is full of goodness. Can you trust someone? There's no evil in him. There's no shadow of turning. There, God doesn't have any bad days. You're never going to come up on God and he's going to say, today is not the day. You better turn around and go the other way. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. God is always good. Always good. Amen. Can you trust someone who's always good? We can trust him. So we've got to know him. And the more we know him through his word, we can't know him through feelings. We can't know him through, through uh, uh, mental reasonings. We have to let the word of God reveal God because we don't know anybody in this earthly realm who cannot lie. It takes the word to show us someone who cannot lie. Amen. It takes the word to show us someone who is so good. They are full of mercy. They are mercy that they are love. In essence, God is love. So this is why we trust him. This is how we learn to trust him. And then when things come, when situations come and try to convince us that God's trying to keep us from something. Isn't that what happened to Adam and Eve? God just doesn't want you to have what's attached to that tree. Well, God didn't want them to experience the evil that was attached to that tree, the knowledge of evil. I never wanted my children to experience the knowledge of evil either. Trust me, you don't want to drink Jose Cuervo. Just tell, I'll tell you right now. That's what I tell my children. I, just, just let me take my word for it. Because Jose Cuervo is not your friend. Just, just take my word not to do it because you'll end up putting your face in a place your face was never intended to be. And so if you'll just listen to me, I can save you from the evil. I can protect you from the evil. Amen? So the enemy tried to convince Adam and Eve and did convince Eve that there was something in that tree that she needed, but God didn't want her to have. And the enemy tries to convince people, God's just, God's just, you're just not worthy of being healed. Or, or God's trying to teach you something with that. Or, or lies, lies. When we know him, when we trust, when we know him, we can trust him. Amen. Those who trust in the Lord. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. What's the subject? Trusting. Trusting in the Lord. So the person who does not trust or refuses to trust in the Lord, there are things God cannot do for them. He wants to do for everyone. But there are things he cannot do for the one who will not trust him. The trust is the prerequisite for the receiving. So when we trust in the Lord, he can do things for us. And what he's looking for is our heart. 
he's looking for is our heart trusting in him. He said, I search the heart. What is he looking for? Who's trusting in me? We've seen from Psalm 34, those who trust in the Lord, they shall not be destroyed. They shall not be desolate. Trust in the Lord. Commit your way unto him. He'll bring it to pass. He's looking. He's searching the heart. He's trying the reins so that he can give to us or perform in our life his keeping power, his supplying power based on our trusting in him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's look at Psalm 56 and we'll see something else about trusting in the Lord. Psalm 56, verse 4. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. Circle that, underline that. Put my trust. We see that trust must be placed. Trust must be specifically positioned in Him. I put my trust in Him. I'm not leaning to this. I'm not leaning to that. I'm not depending upon this. I'm not depending upon that. I'm trusting in the Lord. I used to hear, with the first time I heard people say, your job is not your source. I'd be like, yeah, but I need my job. Your job is not your source. God is your source. And it's not saying quit your job. He's saying don't trust in your job. Go to, go to your job trusting in the Lord. Do your job trusting in the Lord. Trusting in Him. He's the one that's going to bless you on your job. But He's not limited to that job. So when you change, when you put your trust in Him, it doesn't mean you stop working. Or you quit your job, it means that I'm looking to, I'm relying on, I'm depending on what God can do because He can use my job and however other avenue He wants to bless me. He's not limited to just my job. But if I'm, if I'm putting my trust just in my job, then there, I'm limited to what my job can do. Right? And so that mindset... I've got, to, I've got to switch the mindset. I've got to transfer that mindset. I've got to move that trust over to God. And how do I do that? I, I begin by saying it. I begin by saying, Lord, I trust you. You'll bless me on my job, but you're not limited to my job. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to work as unto the Lord. Transfer you to another location and, and we're going to give you this raise, and you, but you're going to move out of your church? Do you see? We've got to say, wait a minute. I'm going to ask the Lord about that. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to see what God says about that because he's my source. He's the one I'm trusting in. So trust is placed in the Lord. I have put my trust. Notice, I'm not going to. I already have. So you've got to put your trust in advance. Just go ahead and establish where your trust is. I have put my trust. And what's going to be the result? I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. If I'm trusting in him, I won't fear. So if I'm experiencing symptoms of fear, 
then I can go back and establish, wait a minute, I have not put my trust. If I'm trusting in the Lord, I won't fear. If I'm trusting in the Lord, now don't get under condemnation. If you're experiencing symptoms of fear, just say, thank you, Lord, for helping me see that and let me address that because I don't want to allow fear to continue. When I sense that fear, when I experience that fear, I need to confront it by putting my trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord and I will not fear what flesh will do unto me. Says the same thing in verse 11. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. So putting my trust alleviates or liberates me from the fear. So if there is fear, then I've got to go back and see, did I unhook my trust? Did, I, did, my, did my trust become unanchored? And let me anchor it again. How do I anchor it again? I get the scriptures out. I begin saying them out of my mouth. I trust in the Lord. I commit my ways unto him. He will bring it to pass. I, I count him faithful who promised. Amen? And then I establish that and I anchor my trust back in him. Now, I'll also want to look at in the book of Psalms, verse uh, chapter 31. Psalm 31. Verse 1. Hallelujah. Psalm 31, 1. In thee, O Lord, again we see, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Again, we see this commitment, this placing of the trust. Bow down your ear unto me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock. It's a word that means refuge. Be my refuge for a house of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net they've laid for me. For you are my strength. Who is, you see the placing of the trust? With the, with the mouth, I'm verbally expressing and anchoring my trust in him. Verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Who said that? Jesus quoted this verse on the cross. The greatest example of trust that we see as he is going to the cross to lay down his life, he is establishing, I trust the Father to raise me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm not dying, hoping, just maybe, hope so, if... if, possibly God's going to heal me. No, I trust God. I trust my Father. I commit my spirit to Him. Hallelujah. So this word commit is another expression of that, that anchor, that placing, that positioning of our trust. Hallelujah. So if you were to ask me the difference between faith and trust... Have you ever thought about it? What, what sets the difference between having faith in God and trusting in God? Well, trust is faith with the anchor. 
Trust is faith with the commitment. It's that committed, anchored decision of faith. I trust in the Lord. So it is faith, but faith with the commitment, that commitment of faith, that anchored faith. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. And then here in this psalm, the psalmist goes through. David, it says, is the, the psalmist here. He goes through and he begins to describe the situation and the trouble that he's facing. And he goes through some of the different details of how difficult what he is facing is. But then in verse 14, he says, But I trusted in you, O Lord, I said. So now we're going to find out how. Here's an example of how we anchor or commit our trust with our words. I trusted in you when I said, you are my God. I trusted in you and I said, I expressed it. Why? Because our words are not just communication vessels. Our words are not just expressions of feeling or expressions of of um, desires. Our words establish covenant. Our words establish our will. God's word is his will towards us. And he expects our words to be our will towards him. So when we use our words with that with that expression of our covenant to God to say, I will trust in the Lord, we are establishing We are setting a spiritual flag on our territory that establishes, I'm trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. I trusted in you, O Lord. I said, you are my God. Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has said that. God has said that. Why did he say that? So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man. Are we saying I trust in the Lord? Who's my helper? The Lord is my helper. But I've got to say, he said it. He said he'll never leave us. We've got a response to that. When I was little, I went to church with my grandparents and they had these hymnals. And in the back of the hymnals, they would turn every once in a while. Y'all ever been in one where they read the hymnal and then the church read back to the preacher? The preacher would read something and the church would read something. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Well, listen, there are some things God says and he's waiting for us to say something. There's, there's, There's a participation that is required from us. It says, the Lord has said, 
so that we may boldly say, the Lord, he's established his part, but then there's an establishing on our part, a covenant with our mouth that we come and we say, no, I'm trusting the Lord. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We see it in Psalm 91. Let's look at Psalm 91. Normally, when I go to Psalm 91, I'm quoting it over myself or over my family, over our church family, over your lives. And I will adapt these scriptures, and it's appropriate to do that. I'll adapt these scriptures to to cover us. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler. I adapt it that way so that it, I'm saying it over us. But in the way that it's written, it is one of those participation scriptures. I will say of the Lord... And when I say this of the Lord, I'm trusting in Him. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. I'm saying this so that the angels hear it, the devil hears it, my situation hears it. I will trust in Him. In Him will I trust. It needs to be heard. It needs to be established. It's a voice authorization. Have you, ever, have you ever had them deliver something to your house and they say, ma'am, I need you to sign for this. And they want proof that you received it. And so you give your signature to give evidence that it came to my house and I received this package. Well, there are some things that need a verbal authorization to be received. That for them to come into your life and to be activated and manifested in our life, we're going to have to give verbal authorization. I receive that. My God, in Him will I trust. And that activates a covenant. It establishes that covenant that God has already established, but it needs to be established. He has said, so that we may boldly say. He has said, so that we may boldly say. So trusting in the Lord, there needs to be that expression, that verbal expression consistently uh, um, enabling it, activating it. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Now, I is the subject, the speaker in that verse, right? I will say. In him, I will trust. But verse 3 changes person. Now this person is talking to me, telling me what will happen because of what I just said, because of this covenant I have established, a covenant of trust, my covenant, I trust in him. He established the covenant to protect me, and I am, I am uh, validating that covenant in my life. I'm signing for it. I will trust in the Lord, and now... Now the scripture is going to tell us what, what is going to happen because of those words, I will trust in him. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler 
and from the noisome pestilence. Why? Because you're trusting in him. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall trust. His truth will be your shield and buckler. You will not be afraid. I will trust in the Lord, right? I won't be afraid. You will not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side. And 10,000 at your right hand. Why? Because I trust in the Lord. Why is this happening for me? Because I trust in the Lord. Is this supernatural protection? Because I'm trusting only with your eye shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation. How did you make him that? I will trust in the Lord. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. How did I make him my habitation? I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Because you've made him your habitation, there shall no evil befall you. None that trust in him will be desolate. No evil. You need to hold that one up. In your mouth every day. You need to pull that. No evil shall befall me and no plague shall come near my dwelling. It's voice activated. No evil shall befall me. No evil shall befall you. Neither any plague shall come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. All of this because I said I will trust in him. I've made him my refuge. Because... Now we've just changed voice again. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. This is God. Now God is telling us, it's, it's like Jesus is our high priest. He's the high priest of our confession. He, he today holds the position as our high priest. He receives the words that we say. And he works with the words of faith that we say. He works in our life to receive what we bring and to activate it. So Jesus, you could say in our lives, he has just declared what will happen because we have made the Lord our refuge. And now God says, because he will set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name, he will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Is there anything we can fear when we know he will be with us? Even in times of trouble, why would I fear when I know he's with me? I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. 
and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Long life is the result of trusting in him. Because all of these other things that should have taken us out couldn't take us out because we had made the Lord our refuge. Hallelujah. So we've got to say it. We've got to express it. We've got to verbally commit. I say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. And then finally, Psalm 33, 21. Finally, praise is an outflow of that trust. If I'm trusting in him, I'm not going to worry about it. If I'm trusting in him, I'm not going to fret about it. If I'm trusting in him, I'm not going to allow my heart to be troubled, my mind to be burdened. If I'm trusting in him, I'm going to be praising. Verse 21 for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. There should be a joy, a release, and a flow of joy and praise in our lives because we're trusting in him. And sometimes you have to move past the emotional part and pull out the spiritual supplies and set those emotional things to the side because they want to take precedent and they want to take your attention off of what your faith has already connected to in trusting in God. And so you have to pull yourself up into that place in the spirit and recognize, I trust in the Lord. And I, I move aside these feelings, I move aside these emotions, and I connect myself to the spiritual supply. I trust in the Lord, and because I'm trusting in Him, I'm going to rejoice. It says, our hearts shall rejoice. Let me show you one other example from Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12. And in that day, you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. You were angry with me. Your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. Here we go. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord, Jehovah, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, I will draw water out of the wells of salvation. The joy comes as an outflow of my trust. So not only do I recognize fear as a symptom that I haven't placed my trust, but I'm looking for that joy. I'm expecting that joy to come. I'm expecting there to be a flow of joy. If I'm trusting in the Lord, there will be a smile on my face. If I'm trusting in the Lord, there will be a skip in my step. Because I know the Lord, he'll provide for me. I know Jesus, he'll take care of me. I know he will lead and guide me. Oh, I know it. 
If I know it, I'm going to get up in the morning with no doubt. I'm going to get up in the morning with no doubt. When I got up this morning, there was no doubt. I, no doubt he's going to turn it around. He's going to make a way. So when I'm trusting in him, there's an outflow of praise. And that praise is like a beacon. It's a, it's a strengthening to you. When you rejoice, you get the benefit of the rejoicing by receiving strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so trusting in the Lord generates a strength that is, it goes all throughout your body. Your body feels better when you're joyful in your spirit. It says laughter does good like a medicine. That joy in your spirit releases into your physical body a supernatural regeneration, a supernatural strengthening. There is a supply that joy brings to your life that you can't get any other way. The people of God, it said, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Blessed, one translation says, blessed are the people who know the passwords of praise. I know the password. Because the joy will unlock things for us. The joy will strengthen us in a way that, that David said, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. How did he have this supernatural strength and this super leap over a wall. It was the joy of the Lord. He was a worshiper. He was a praiser, right? I can run through a troop. You make my feet like hinds feet. You, you teach my hands how to warrior. That supernatural ability flowing through all these areas in our life because we're trusting in him. And it's causing a praise. It's causing a joy that shifts the atmosphere in our home. Some people just need to have a time of worship in their home so that they can see clearly. Because if you just let the oppression from the neighbor's house try to get over into your house, you know, you need to be worshiping so that they're like, What's going on in my house? Not, you're, they're, they're sensing the freedom just because of the atmosphere coming out of your house. Amen? But you can see clearer in an atmosphere of joy. You can see what to do. You can understand the steps you need to take. You can know where to go when there is a flow of joy coming out because that joy, it says, out of these wells of salvation, joy draws. Joy is the container that pulls this spiritual supply out of the wells of rescue. There's a supply of rescue. How do I get that supply into my situation? How do I get that out into here? I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice in him. And with joy, this, it's connected to trust. It says, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Listen, you never have to be afraid another day in your life. It is not something you have to submit to. Fear is optional. Opt out. 
just opt out to me and you, why would we ever fear when he said, I'll never leave you? Why would I ever fear if I'm trusting in the Lord? I never have to. I never have to. So on my books, it is not an option. I just take it all the way off the multiple choice. Never even look at that. that have you ever had a multiple choice quest and they would, uh, questions and they would always put something that's totally ridiculous? Right? You're like, absolutely, that's just ridiculous. They just wanted to fill in the blank, right? And, and fear is one of those totally ridiculous options. Why would I ever do that? That's the, the most absurd thing anybody would ever want to do is fear because the Lord is with me. He's on my side. I trust in him. He will help me. He will deliver me. He will give me the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And because I'm trusting in him with joy, I'll draw water out of the rescue. I'll draw water out of the supply of help. So my words I will say of the Lord and my praise will flow out of my trust in God. Every head bowed. Father, we commit today to enter in to a greater level of trust. Would you commit that with me right now? Say this out of your mouth. Father, I commit today to trust you even more than I have in the days before. I trust you completely. Help me, Lord, understand your plan for my life, your help, and your protection. In Jesus' name.